Hi, this is Jake, and you're listening to the Flight Training Podcast. So in this last podcast on confession this month, we're going to be basically skimming a few pages from the book Celebration of Discipline, just like we did in last week's podcast. So this time, we're going to be looking at Richard Foster's advice on receiving a confession. And this is something we've been talking about all month Again, probably before this month, you may not have really given confession quite like we've talked about this month, but very, very likely you've never received a confession like we've talked about this month. So you're getting a lot of new experience, uh, and this is something that doesn't get talked a lot about within traditional American Christianity, and yet a very powerful thing that we've, we're getting from, like we've talked about this month, from James 5.16, from 1 John 1.9, and from John chapter 20. Uh, and so, very biblically based thing, but I just want to break down kind of what Foster talks about. He actually quotes from uh, Bonhoeffer, a quote that we've read earlier this month about living under the cross, and that's his first advice. When you're going to receive a confession, you're only ready to receive a confession when you have submitted to Jesus at the foot of the cross, when you've looked at your own sinful nature and said, I am a a wretched person without Jesus, and I desperately need Jesus's help. And any righteousness I have, it's a gift from God. It's not something that that I have done by my own goodness. And so, when we live under the cross, we, you know, nothing somebody else can say disturbs us because we see that, like this, yeah, the seeds of the same sort of junk that's in that, the same sort of stuff that's in that person, the seeds of that is in me, and I could be. So, yeah, there's just, there's so horrible evil inside all of us. And so somebody saying that they did something terrible to someone else, no matter how bad it is, when we're connected with Jesus at the foot of the cross, we can listen to that and and not, oh, you're so terrible and condemn them. Because Jesus in that moment isn't condemning them. And also being under the cross, like when we're humbly there as like a, I'm only here today because Jesus has set me free, because Jesus is working in me, because Jesus has forgiven me, then that frees us from a, a temptation you'll face when you start receiving confession from other people. And this is a temptation, what Richard Foster calls spiritual domination. Uh, so basically pushing someone down, controlling someone, dominating somebody. Uh, and some examples of this could be using a confession that someone gives against them, so this would be, you know, someone comes and confesses something to you very privately, and then later on, you bring it up to them as a way to prove yourself right, or to push them down, or to to belittle their what they're saying, or in any sort of way that is pushing them down or against them, or maybe it's even sharing it with someone else uh, in a way that hurts their reputation or something like that. So that is spiritual domination. That's you should never use a confession against someone else. Now, if someone confesses to you something and it's clear there's a danger, like if, if someone confess you that they're actively abusing their own kids or something like obviously the safety of someone else is concerned, yeah, you do need to report that and make sure other people can be safe. But you don't use someone's confession against them uh, in in another setting, basically other than that, than if someone's safety is concerned or something like that. If, uh, yeah. And then you don't also, you don't try to control this person or straighten them out. And this can often be 
what people do as soon as we hear someone start to confess to us, we jump to, here's my advice for what you should do to be better. And this is something I'm guilty of a lot. We try to jump to the stage of, I'm going to fix you. And that's not right. Like Jesus can come in and heal people. He can purify them from all unrighteousness. That's the promise in First John 1, 9. We got to let this confession get fully out there. We got to let Jesus come in and heal them of it. So don't, don't try to come in and control the person or try to straighten them out. Um, okay, so that's some advice from Foster. We're going to keep flying through this advice from him. Obviously, we talked about not using a confession against someone, but you need to keep confidence in confidence, whatever someone shares with you during a confession, do not share that with other people. Okay, uh, uh, you know, very, very, very rare exceptions of things like someone else's personal safety or something like that. But, but do not share it with someone else just because you think that other person is trustworthy or something like, that. like this. Needs to be top secret sort of stuff that you don't share with anybody else. Like it's it's their thing to share with other people if they want to, but it's not your place to share it with anyone else. Just like when you confess things to Jesus, Jesus doesn't go around telling that to other people. You need to follow his example in that. Um, now, we're talking, we're already getting into some specifics on what you're supposed to do or not do, um, but let me talk a little bit more about the preparation if you have a chance to prepare. So, for instance, if someone calls you up and says, hey, I really need to talk to you, I need to confess something to you, or I need to share something I've done wrong, or I need to get something off my chest, however they might word it. If you're going in a conversation you think someone might confess to you, or even if you're just one of the people praying down front during a response time at church or something, if you, th- if you think it's likely you're going to receive confessions, then, then prepare with prayer. Or even if you don't have a lot of time to prepare, maybe someone tells you they need to talk and then you just have two minutes while you walk out of the, or, you know, two seconds while you walk out of the room to a, a private place to talk with them. Even in the few seconds you have, pray. And what sort of stuff are you praying for? Well, you're saying, Jesus, please shine through me. You know, Jesus gives us that authority in John 20 to stand in his place and to forgive but we need to pray and say, like, Jesus, shine through me. Like, in this, as I'm listening and as I'm as I'm looking at this person uh, and hearing them confess, like, I need you to shine your love through me to them, your acceptance through me to them, your forgiveness through me to them. And you're asking Jesus to do that. And also ask Jesus to be a stand between in between the two of you. Like, you want to see this person the way Jesus sees them, not in a condemning way or in any other way than Jesus himself sees them. So you're asking, Jesus, we stand between the two of us. Be right here. When I look at them, help me to see them with your eyes. I want to hear them with your ears and help them to see you in me. So that's the sort of stuff you're praying about. Another thing uh, you can be praying about is, God, give me discernment. As they share, help me to know what to do next. Because probably if someone's coming to you and confessing, you probably have a relationship with this person. You're probably pretty close. So there's going to be a chance to continue to help that person. And again, you don't need to bring it up of like, hey, remember that thing you confessed to me. But for instance, if someone confesses to you, you know, that they've really been struggling um, with you know, low self-esteem, and that leads them into all these other vices. But the root of it really is this very bad self-esteem. Well, you're praying for discernment. Jesus, help me to see the key. Is, is there some way I can help that person as we move forward, as we're still friends or as they're still in my small group or whatever is going on? Um, you're not looking here to control or fix, but you're asking Jesus, like, is there something you want me to do? Like, this is information that's been given to me. 
help me to know by your Holy Spirit if I should do anything with it. Because um, sometimes it can be powerful that you see Jesus will give you an insight of you need to do this with this person down the road or, or some other point. So you're listening to him. Uh, and it could even be just an insight of how to pray for them at the end of the time. Like maybe they bring up several things, but maybe there's one thing in, in particular to pray for them about. Uh, the last thing to, to mention with prayer that Foster brings up is to pray, obviously, for them while they are sharing. So while they're sharing, you're listening, you're asking God to help, but you can also be saying, like, God, please help them share. Help them have the courage to share all, to not be ashamed in this moment, but to come openly and share to you. Um, so be praying for them even. Now, this is one, this next one, his advice, something I struggle with. He says, be silent while the other person's sharing. So sometimes we can be tempted to just do some sort of offhanded comment to relieve the tension. They bring up something and then you jump on it of, uh, you know, this part of their story has to do with, you know, the Royals playing a baseball game and then this and that happened. And maybe you remember that game and you want to make some offhand comment about like, wasn't that a great home run at the end of the game or something like, leave that stuff out. Like that doesn't relieve tension or even like some like little joke or something. Cause it's honestly, it's going to be an intense moment when you're receiving a confession, but just let it be intense. Like that's what it is. Don't try to let the the pressure out of the room or something by making an offhand comment. Also, try not to pry for more information. Now, in previous in the month I've talked to you about, you got to help people get specific and concrete in what they confess. I would let the person totally share. And then if they haven't given something concrete or if it seems like they're cloudy on what they're actually confessing, then some questions might be appropriate. But again, you're not trying to dig for more information Okay, this isn't to satisfy your own curiosity. You want to, basically, you want to try, first and foremost, to be silent and let silence do its work. Because silence can be very powerful. If someone shares a lot, and then you just, if you feel like they have more to share, maybe before you even say, like, hey, what do you want to take responsibility for here? Or what was the sin you're confessing? Before you even ask a question, try to sit in silence, even for a minute or something. I mean, a minute will seem like forever if you're sitting there silently, but you'll, you'll, something will come out that Foster brings up or can come out is that extra silent time. If you feel like there's more that needs to be shared, just sitting there in silence with them, a lot of times people will share more. It's actually more effective than a question a lot of times. So um, try as best as you can to just let the other person share all they want to share and don't say anything while they're sharing. Okay. Um, at some point during the confession, before it ends, probably towards the end though, you need to, in the authority of G- that Jesus has given us in John chapter 20, you need to announce their forgiveness. Now you can do this in a prayer. You can start praying with them and say, Jesus, I know you have forgiven them. Or, or Jesus, we thank you for forgiving them. You can word it like that. But you can also just looking them right at the face, say, you know, Sally Sue or, or Jimmy, you know, wh- whatever this person's name is, and Jimmy, Jesus Christ has forgiven you of lying to your boss or, or whatever it is, you know, and and to say very specifically and very clearly, not we're hoping for it, not in a vague way, but like very clear, like in the authority of Jesus, like this has been forgiven. Um, and you don't have to use the language in the authority of Jesus, but you need to say Jesus has forgiven you. And you need to say it with confidence because it is true. Like Jesus has given you the right to say that and for it to be true. Um, 
finally, another thing that needs to happen, also Foster talks through, is, is pray out loud with the person. It's a great idea to end with prayer, but when you're praying with the person, remember James five sixteen about pray for each other. You know, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. So this prayer at the end, you want to pray for healing of whatever is inside of them that's wounded. Sin hurts the person who sins. Like the wages of sin is death. Like that's not a judgment just that God heaps on somebody. That's the reality. Like when you sin, you're creating death inside of you. Like you're creating bad things inside of you. And so you need to pray over that person of, and again, this could be a powerful piece where hopefully you've got some discernment, but how, you know, try to be led by the Holy Spirit and how you pray for them that they could be healed of anything that this sin has done to mess them up. Um, because a lot of times those wounds of past sins, if they're never dealt with, they lead us into more sin. You know, the things that you've done to yourself by sinning, a lot of times leave you vulnerable to more sin, temptation in the future. So I want to pray for healing over those wounds. Um, feel free at this time to lay hands on people. Uh, the passage in James specifically talks about elders laying hands on people and praying for the sick and stuff, but there's an example a lot through the New Testament, people laying hands on people and praying. You know, judge that for yourself in that moment. Is that the right thing to do or wrong thing to do given the person in the setting? But it's worth, uh, if you've never laid hands on someone and prayed for them, like it's worth trying that and experimenting with it and doing it because it is a biblical thing. This isn't just some random man-made tradition thing. Like it's something that's significant that does happen in the Bible. Like, putting a hand on someone and praying for them, like it's a powerful position to be in for God to flow into that person's life and to do some healing. So um, that's Richard Foster's advice. I took very close, stuck very close to his advice from a few pages of celebration and discipline, but hopefully it's helpful to you guys. I know it can seem weird to step up to the plate and say, I'm going to receive a confession, but there's very few people in our neighborhood in our community who know how to receive a confession who have any idea about any of the stuff we've been talking about this month so even though you're none of us are experts at this but jesus is the one who can make us competent in it and don't be afraid to walk in the authority that he's given you like we need christians who have the courage to do the things that jesus has called them to do and and one of the things the Bible is calling us to do is to give and receive confessions, to do both. And so this month, I've been pushing you a lot to give and to receive confessions. And my challenge here at the end is to continue to do that. Like, don't let this drop by the wayside. And so um, this week specifically, I want you to find someone else and receive a confession from them. Now, again, that is a weird thing to do. Normally, that's not how it works. Normally, you don't approach someone and say, hey, I want to receive a confession from you normally obviously initiated by the confessor and that's the right healthy way for it to be right now this is a class and so we're 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 needing some help kind of training and so i would recommend go to someone who's already graduated from flight training or go to someone currently in the class or even go to me and say you know would you do me a favor and let me receive a confession from you because i need to practice this so i can get better at it um so go to someone who's who understands what we're talking about and is mature enough uh, you know, don't go to to somebody that you just oh this person's really got something they need to confess. <laughs> You're being judgmental already. Don't go to that person uh, and push them to confess to you. Like go to go to somebody in our group or somebody that is familiar with this stuff. Uh, but this week, go to them and say, 
I want to receive a confession from you. And, and maybe you can make it uh, reciprocal and say, I can, I can give a confession to you and, and receive, especially if it's someone in this current class. They also need to receive one this week. So you kind of do two birds with one stone and um, however you want to do it that way. But that's the challenge for this week. Confession is very powerful. It unlocks a lot of healing. So don't ignore it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.